0: As I get older, my eyesight gets a little dimmer. I tell you, I was teasing my family members not long ago, I keep telling y'all that, talking about I don't have to wear glasses. Lo and behold, I was laying in bed one day and kept doing one of these numbers. My wife finally handed me some glasses, I said, I can see! (laughs) So I have some reading glasses, I let people know it's what, 1.25, whatever, the lowest magnification is. <laughs> but we want to welcome you here on this Easter wet Sunday. And it is indeed good to see everyone here. It it was a wonderful time they had down at First Missionary for Revival Week and then Friday night they had the service at Presbyterian Church. We normally have good Friday here but we're in the process of doing some upgrades, and we thought that um, since First, St. Since, uh, Andrew was going to have a service, we would cancel because we were in the process of going to have to have our seats outside to have the floors done and seats upholstered, but the rain came, so we were able to postpone it. So in May, we hope to have May and June some more things taking, taking place and completed. I am not going to be before you... it's not my intentions too long. (laughs) Easter is one of those days where people have different ideas and views in regards to what it really means. What it's all about. But I need to just make sure you understand and know that it's not about Easter Bunny. I'm sorry if if kids heard me and I've disappointed you. And Even though it's fine to celebrate and have fun, it is not about little eggs and going searching for little eggs in the field. I've done that. I grew up right outside the church running and stepping on eggs trying to find them, pushing people out the way. (laughs) Today we gather in this place to Look at a passage in the book of John, but I'm going to take you on a little adventure today back in Genesis and bring us up to this point. Just a passage or so in Genesis. I'm not going to necessarily read many of the passages, but want to give the highlights there. But if you would be so kind just to stand on your feet as I pray. Today, Lord, we are so glad that you rose from the dead. We thank you for dying on Good Friday. Yes, it was a bleak day, but it was a wonderful day because our salvation was at hand. You didn't stay in the grave, but you rose Sunday morning with victory over death. And we are grateful today. That we are here benefiting for, from what you did over 2,000 years ago. And so we thank you for making us and including us in your plan. We do love you. We do thank you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was out yesterday celebrating my sister's 60th birthday party. Frida turned 60. Well, she turned 60 today. And her son, Josh, is in town. So we in the families and a few others went up to play laser tag in Santa Rosa. We had some fun. We had some fun. I didn't get hurt. I didn't tear no Achilles. I didn't break any bones. But I still can run a little bit. So we had a wonderful time shooting each other. With the beam, shot each other, and, and while I didn't get the most points, I can say it shows the score. I was the most accurate. <laughs> so don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> then from there, we went to a place that I had a place I had never been to before in Santa Rosa. Very good pieology, where you can make your own pizza and. Or basically, put the, have them put the ingredients on it. It was delicious. And pray that God would help me. Yesterday, it wouldn't rain because I had to do some grilling for the party today. No, I didn't make none for y'all. So no, I didn't this time. So made some ribs for my sister. I shouldn't have said nothing. I'm no, That's all right. <laughs> I should have. I should have asked Sister Chuck to make some cabbage though. <laughs> In your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 20. We're not going to have it on the board today. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the first 18 verses of John, chapter 20. And so if you don't have St. John, the Gospel of John, so you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. If you have a Bible on your phone, you can connect to the inter- to the Internet here. P-I-C-F is free. So if you want to... Um, Tap into the internet, Wi-Fi, you can just go to PICF free, and you should be able to connect. St. John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And this is how it reads. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, now Magdalene is not her last name, Mary of Magdala And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had... Then on Jesus, Jesus's head, not lined with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Had said these things to her. As a title, I am giving this sermon, this message. It was God's plan from the beginning. It was God's plan from the beginning. All of the Gospels, the four Gospels, um, record the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. The crucifixion and the resurrection are two of the essential themes in the Bible. What you do with Jesus is a matter of life and death. Need to get that. What you do with Jesus is a matter of life and death. As I said, let me take you on a brief journey. Point number one, reflecting back, reflecting back. While people might think that God has lost control of this world, he has not. This world is going crazy, but Jesus has not lost control of this world. The world came into existence by a very clear plan, set in motion, and accomplished by God. After the Lord created the earth, the Bible says that on the seventh day in Genesis chapter 2, the seventh day that God rested, he didn't rest because he was exhausted or tired. He rested because the work that he completed or started was now complete. The number seven means completion. You will oftentimes see number seven in the Bible. Number three, 12, numbers had meanings. But seven basically means completion or perfection. He rested on the seventh day. If you think that you know what is best for your life, you need to think again. If you think you know where you are going, you need to think again. In fact, the word repent means to rethink. It means to change your mind. I think the Greek word is metanoia. It means to change the direction in which you're walking and go in the opposite direction. Change your mind. There are many people today who think they know where they're going. They don't. In life, there are some men who won't ask for directions, no matter how lost they are. Now, I know I'm. Mean. I just keep right on driving. No, 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 no. It's okay. I'm quick. If I don't want to, I will. I will ask for directions. There's nothing wrong with asking for directions. But somehow in life, we think that we know where we're going and we'll keep going down the same road, getting the same results, but thinking that we're going to get different results. It was God's plan that he put in motion a long time ago. And if he set the plan in motion, he knows what to do to bring it to completion. It was God who made man and woman on day Number six of his creation. Why would God bring man into this world? It was his plan. He didn't have to do it. God doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. Sometimes I know that when we began to pray, we said, God, I need this prayer answered yesterday. Sometimes it seemed like God takes a long time in answering prayer. Just, it seems like forever, but God is always right on time. When he made this world, it was right on time. Day number six, he made man and formed man from the dust of the ground. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. He formed man from the dust. My dad used to say, he made you not from dirt, but from the particles of dirt, dust. God formed you from the dust of this earth, and you laid there a lump of clay. No life in you. You didn't have life until God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says, and then man became A living soul or a living being. The Lord in making man and woman, he placed them in the garden of Eden. And it is in this garden where the Lord had formed all of the trees and all of the beasts and brought them to Adam and said, Whatever you name them, that will be its name. He placed All of the luscious fruit and vegetation, anything and everything a person could want, right there in the garden, told Adam and Eve. As they are married, have all the children you want. Fill the earth. But in the midst of that garden is a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now there were two trees in the midst of 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 the garden of Eden that God said there were two trees. One tree... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life. I don't know what it is about the word no that we don't like. You don't have to teach children the word no. They come here already pre-programmed to go against what you want. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You tell them No. They're going to try to find a way around that and do, as a little one, ain't even walking yet, trying to get their own way, pre-programmed to do the opposite of what you want. I told you no. And you get that stern look at them and you point at them. You be careful. Some kids point back at you. (laughs) I came one Sunday morning. little girl named Amaya Kevin Lene's daughter, little old thing. Sitting on the back row back there where the ushers are. And here I am going back there to greet her and to say hi to this little. When I go back there, she went. (laughs) Got that look on her eyes and said, Get out. Get out. (laughs) And I'm look at this little girl. I told them that was the funniest thing. But kids come here demanding their own way. The Lord told Adam and Eve, you can have anything you want in this garden, but one tree. Don't eat from that tree. For the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. There are two deaths, two types of death. There is the physical death that we die when we have um, our, our body and our blood. Our blood is no longer flowing through our bodies. We no longer have breath in our in our lungs. And this life expires. That's one death. But there is a second death. And the second death is a separation from the one who made you. The creator. When the Lord told Adam and Eve that The day that you eat of this fruit, if you do, you're going to die Two deaths: Separation from this life, the body, and separation eternally from God. They didn't understand, evidently, that second part. You know, death basically just means separation. But get this. When God formed you, you were only a lump of clay. That's what you were. But the moment he put his spirit in you and you became a living being... You'll never die. In other words, you have what we call a soul. When God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, God gave you a soul. So what is the image of God? The image of God is intellect, emotions, and will. When God made you in his image, he gave you a mind. You're able to think. You're able to reason, you're able to make decisions. He gave you a will. You can choose certain things. You can make decisions. You can decide to act a certain way or not to act a certain way. And then he gave you emotions, gave you the ability to feel. That's the image of God. That part of you will never die in the sense of your soul. In other words, you are always. Have awareness. You will always live eternally somewhere. But the decision now that you need to make is on this side of eternity. When the Lord told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of this fruit, you are going to die, it meant that they would be separated from God. When the Lord told Adam and Eve, enjoy the land, do you not know that restrictions on land today was not from God. In the sense of. Don't go here. You can't go over there. And this land is protected. This this land has a has a little white mouse. And we want to protect that mouse environment. You can't go over here. This one has a bug over there. We don't want to build there. Because that one has a bug. That one has a spotted owl. You can't cut down that tree. And so today people are more concerned. About the elements. Rather than people. God Made people in his image. He didn't make a bug, a flower, an ant in his image. He made people in his image. He placed a value on you that cannot be bought by just anything. Only one thing can buy you. Adam and Eve decided to disobey God. Now, when... They disobeyed God. Something interesting happened. I'm just going to read this for you in the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm just going to read a couple of verses for you and move right on and be out of here soon. Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden after they had sinned, that is, to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out, thank you, the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, angels, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. At one point, Adam and Eve had access to the tree of life that was in the midst of the garden right next to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when sin occurred, the Lord said, that tree is off limits. And he placed his own angel there to guard it. That anybody trying to get there on their own would be cut down. Get this, it's important. Evidently, there were no, no restrictions Before that time for them to be able to even eat from that tree. But once sin entered, that tree was placed off limits. No longer accessible. The Lord put a guard there. Now one would think, well why is that? Actually it was a wonderful thing that he did. So man was banished from the garden. Point number two. Jesus and no other is the answer when we think about restrictions placed on people it is often done to protect people and to help people and oftentimes it's given to even to prevent those that might do wrong from doing it it is actually placed there as a deterrent laws are given to actually help us now i have a problem going the speed limit. I do. I have a problem. And so what I do I've learned to do is place my car on cruise control. That helps me. And some reason sometimes it just feels like I'm not going fast enough. Set it up the speed limit. I want to go faster. But I, I I'm training myself. Cause I because what I don't like getting tickets. Gotta go to driving school in a couple weeks in fact. But but that that speed limit is not only there for me, but it's there for your protection as well. There are some things that we cannot see that's put there to help us and to prevent another person from getting hurt. And so, law, so the Lord puts his law into place, and even though we don't always see it, it is a good thing. He placed the angel there. Now, jumping back to what we read in John at the beginning. You have all of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, 39 books. Then you have that intertestamental period, that period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That period of the Maccabees and where the Lord did a lot of things where Alexander the Great came and, and all these things and he where he conquered and ruled the world and you got the Romans then coming in these various kingdoms and 400 years between the old and the new and you have Jesus coming onto the scene. Why all this stuff about this Jesus? What, what's so important about him? Why does all scripture focus on him? I should be able to go to God any way that I want. I should be able to choose. In fact, if he gave me a mind, I've got intellect, can't I choose? I've got a will. God did not give you a will for you just to do your own thing. He placed himself in you. And I'm going to tell you this. There are sometimes we are always looking to feel a void on the inside. And do you not know that void can never be filled with anything except God himself? He left it that way for a purpose. I don't care what you take, what you do, where you go. I don't care how much you try to do. You'll never fill that void because it's a spiritual void. And God placed it there because only he can occupy it. And when he occupies it, that space, he becomes the master of your life. If God made you, he has a right to expect something from you. Now, you are responsible for your children until they get to the age of majority or they get to a certain age, 18 here. And they can raise up, they can raise up to you if they want to. You say, you are out of here. You ain't living in my house doing that. And get on out there and try to make it in the world. Here they are eating your food. Putting pants on them. And some of the guys ain't learned yet. Pull up the pants. They ain't got to hang on down here. Putting shirts on them. They using your water. Ain't going to raise up? I don't think so. Here they are going to be 18. Uh, there's the door. Why? Because you've got rules in your house. You've got expectations and you are not wrong for having them. But if the child does what's right, yeah, yeah, I'll help you, bless you, help you in school, help you in all these different types of things. Why? Because there's an appreciation. Well, why should God not expect from us that back which he has given us? He's given us life. And then we take that life and we serve everything else. But the Bible says that God made man and put him in the garden. And then he put the angel there. And then we find, now here it is, Christ comes on the scene. All of scripture pointing to one person. Now why in the world would he want to come here? Because the Lord says the day you eat of that fruit you will die. And so there has to be now a remedy to solve that problem. So from the beginning of time before the foundation of the earth, God had already made a way, fixed it up, made the plan, and the plan was wrapped up in Jesus. He is the one that came to make people right again with God. You see, if men got to that tree, got to the tree of life, if they got to that tree, men would have well, one of the beliefs is that man would have lived in an unrepentant state the rest of his life, couldn't be saved. The other idea is that one would try to get to God all types of way. Well, my belief is okay. How come we all can't make our own decisions? And we would have been coming to God all different ways. But there's only one Lord. There's only one plan of salvation. And it's wrapped up in the Lord. It really makes no difference what we think. It's what God set in place. And so he sent Christ through 42 generations, sent him to a virgin girl called Mary. He was born, started his public ministry at the age of 30, as believed. But his purpose and mission was to go to the cross to make things right that Adam and Eve did way back in Genesis. All those years, God had been orchestrating the plan. Because he had you in mind. And so when God put this in place, there's been the enemy, Satan, trying to stop it all along. But he's already defeated. Already defeated. And so we get to the resurrection story. And we get to the Friday, the day where Christ has been nailed to a cross. Excruciating. If Christ went to the cross and died and that was it, we would not have a hope. We would not be saved. But you see, it didn't end there. It did not end there. He had been telling his disciples, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to die. And in three days, I've got to be raised again. The disciples didn't understand all that he had been saying. And when he died on the cross, they were deeply distressed. They were sad. All the people that saw, thought, our hope is gone. He's dead. But they had been missing the point. In Luke chapter 22, I'm not going to read it right now or turn there, but chapter 22, verses 39 through 42, it's a very interesting passage. Give me five minutes and I'll be done. A very interesting passage where it speaks about Christ being in the garden of Gethsemane. He went with his disciples and then he pulled three of the disciples to go with him. Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says that about a a stone's throw, he went away from them and he prayed. He told them, you stay there and you pray with me. But they got sleepy and fell asleep. But while he's there, he said something very interesting. Father, if this cup can be passed from me, if it can pass, if I don't have to go through this, Lord, ah, would you remove it? But he immediately he immediately said, "Not my will, but your will be done." We see we run over that. If in the Garden of Gethsemane. At the place where he now has been coming, he's brought his ministry, it's culminating, coming to an end. And if he says, you know, I've got cold feet, I, I can't go through with it now. After all that time, I can't do it. Come and get me, Dad. I want to come on back home. They are on their own. That would be the point where God would have said, you know what, let's end it right here. At the most critical point. Where he said, I don't want to go through this physically. I don't want to be separated from my Father. May this could be removed. But he had you in mind. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It was at that point where he decided to complete the task. Well, he had decided before. But that point was, was pivotal. Because if he, at that point of his prayer, says, I'm done, as we sometimes do, we get right to the door and says. I can't do it. I can't, can't. I just can't do it. And we sometimes will walk away. He didn't do it. How many times have I gotten to that place? That, uh, I, can't, I can't do it. Mm-mm, I'm done. But, but you've done all the stuff up to the point to get here. Mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm done. Jesus didn't do that. The Bible says that three different times in that garden, that night, He went and prayed the same thing when he came back to the disciples and they were snoring. He told them, fellas, couldn't you watch with me just one hour? And the Bible says he went back in another gospel and he prayed the exact same thing three times to be strengthened. And then we come to the place on Sunday morning where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. And as she goes with the other women, she's not the only one, but she's a focus. The stone, the big boulder that sealed, that would be placed in front of in front of the sepulchre, it has been moved away, and the tomb, tomb is empty. And then the disciples began to think, wait a minute. He told us that he had to rise on the third day, and all the things that they had been told by the Lord. The Bible says they then remembered. Have you ever gotten to a place where you didn't understand something and then you got this epiphany, you got this moment where you say, Now I get it. And then you start thinking about all the steps, all the things before that was happening and it all starts making sense. And you finally say, I get it, I get it. And you want everybody to know that you got it. Well, the disciples are that way. When that tomb was empty... Christ became for you and me the mediator because he conquered death on the cross. And now where that flaming sword was, where the holy of holies in the temple was, that curtain 80 feet high was torn exposing only the place, the Holy of Holies, where the priests could go into. Nobody could enter that place that they did, whether priests or any. If the high priest went in there and they weren't right, they would be killed instantly. That place at the death of Christ was exposed. Christ now rises from the dead, and now he becomes our mediator for God. And now you've got access through Christ. You no longer stand condemned. But right now, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you now have life. From the very beginning, God had a plan. Your plan is not better than God's. It's not. It was his plan from the very beginning. And he's already made a way. So that's why you need to come through Jesus Christ. That's why you can't go any other way. That's why no other way will work. 20 years later, he said, well, I might as well go out and turn around now. Yeah, because sometimes it takes us that long to understand and to realize I've been going down the wrong road all this time. And the Lord will make a way for you right then, right then. Bow your heads with me right where you are. Lord, we recognize that if it wasn't for the resurrection... If it wasn't for for what you did, the plan you set in place, providing Moses and the prophets, providing all of scripture, providing access to you, we thank you that you are the one that came, the perfect king, died, rose again, and then took your rightful place. At the right hand of the Father. With all authority. May we recognize that the way has already been determined. It's already been made. We don't have to try to invent a way. It's a matter of just submitting our will to say to you God. You gave me the will. I just surrender it back to you. And just pray that you'll take my will and make it. And do with it as you desire. I accept you. We pray for people in this place today. In the name of our Savior. With your head bowed, we're going to end in a moment. Is anybody in this place, you know, I really do want to accept the Lord, but I, I don't know what it means. I'm scared I'm going to lose out on stuff. I'm going to have to miss stuff. No, serving God is a wonderful thing. We have fun, but in a holy way. there's <laughs> anybody in this place that's, you know, say it's, it's, re- it's really time for me to get it right. The Bible just says, "If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, that God will forgive you." It's with your heart that you believe into righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Remember, you don't have to do anything to try to make it make it yourself. He's already provided the way. It's a matter of just saying, "Yes, Lord, I accept you." That's it. That's it. And then living for Him. So today, I encourage you. Want to offer? Just the plan of salvation and what God Himself has already given. Is anybody in this place saying, Yeah, it's time, Lord. I want to accept you. I see the hand. I will get with you and just in just a little bit later I see the hand. Please come up afterwards and see me because I want to spend some time with you privately. if, if you're if you're concerned or scared, I don't want people to, to see me. You you can you can contact someone, one of the ministers or myself here from this church and say, I, I do want to accept the Lord. What do I need to do? Well, remember, he's already done it. It's a matter of accepting what he's already done. You can contact me. Stand to your feet, please. As we get ready to dismiss and you go to dinner or go to do your, what you're going to do today, there's some items and food that's We have a pantry that you're welcome to, and I think Sister Lene has some things for the kids, some items that we want to get to you. Uh, Please don't just run out through the range. Take some time just to say hi to someone and grab some things. But for those who need to contact me, my number's on the website, or you can come up to me and say, can I get your number? I I need to talk to you about the Lord. We can talk on the phone. We can talk in person. Lord, as we leave this place today, we thank you for the hand that was raised. We pray that we will disciple people. Just as you had disciples, may we understand and know that people change because they hear the word of God. Thank you for the people that are here today. Bless them as they leave. Be their strength, their, their, their joy. We pray that you will give them success in you. Pray that you continue to, Lord, work in the lives of people, for we know that it's the word of God that makes a difference and changes lives. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter. Amen.